We'll bring Shai Davidi into the conversation. And Shai, wait, I don't want to start on a on a on a. Well, I don't even know if it's fair to call it a negative. No, no, no. Before we, what, what? Go, go, go. No, let's start. Let's be nice. Let's be proper hosts. Let's start with the good stuff. No, well, I, I, I mean, starting with the good stuff involves the the obvious question of is this the last thing the Jays will do? So, I mean, we can dive into it any direction we want. But Shai, the 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 great news certainly is the fact that Barrios is here for seven years. It's a lot of money, but ser- certainly deserving. And uh, if one of the bigger questions about the Jays perhaps was the rotation, this is a major anchor to be having right there, locked in long term. Right for an extended period, and that's the key. Look, Obviously, Jose Barrios was going to be a key part of the rotation next year, uh, but his free agency was going to be one of the bigger questions before the club. And you know, my sense had always been that the Jays, from the moment they got him, wanted to extend him. And you know, the Twins had made some efforts to try and extend him, and it hadn't gone everywhere anywhere. And you know, their sense was that you know Barrios was intent on testing the free agent market, but. You know, I think the Blue Jays put on a, a pretty strong press on him, uh, not necessarily from you got to sign here, but just kind of showing him this is what your life will be like here. This is what it'll, what you can enjoy. Um, you know, his family didn't have a chance to come down because of how chaotic things were and uh, with school starting earlier uh, for his kids. But, you know, I think he got a sense of, you know, this is a good place for where I'd want to be. Uh, and you know the Blue Jays have now uh, really their their anchor for for an extended period, which is something that you know they haven't had this type of front of the line talent locked in place for a long time, uh, for for quite a while. So certainly a significant development from from that perspective. Shaw, I was looking at it from somewhat of a uh, a player perspective, and what it says about. You know, keeping the band together, you know, running it back. Let's take another run at it. Let's try to keep all the pieces. We were that close. And like I said before you got on, don't even start me about balancing the schedule and, and, and uh, you know, expanding the playoffs. And don't, don't get me started on that. But what does it say to the guys in the clubhouse that, okay, we've locked this guy up. And I know you, you guys are all white, waiting to see what, what we're doing with free agents. But before we get to that, we want to make sure this is done. What does that say to the players? Well, I think any player you want to be, you want to feel like you're on a team where you, you you'll have a chance to get paid. Uh, you know, if you perform, you're going to be able to, you know, get the just reward, and you're not going to have to move on, not going to have to wait till you're a free agent uh, and move on to another team in, in order to get your contract. So, you know, I would think certainly that you know Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette would would take notice of this uh you know I'm sure the the younger Blue Jays who are uh also trying to find their way into the big leagues and establish themselves will, will also pay attention to it but it's also a signal to the market that you know this is a team that is intent on taking next steps and uh even though you know Barrios was already in place for 2022 you know, this is a, a sign that, you know, this is uh, part of what the Blue Jays are envisioning going forward, that, you know, this isn't, you know, last year, you know, Springer and Semyon last offseason wasn't a one-off. Uh, this is something they intend to continue doing. You know, they want to be uh, a serious contender in the American League East. Uh, but, you know, a lot of, you know, now the question obviously shifts to, you know, how do you augment this? Because, you know, essentially you've gotten better maybe in the long term, but in the immediate uh, term, you're still the same as you were. So I think those are sort, sort of where some of the reads are going to be right now. Speaking with Shai Davidi, Shai, 
on that point, and I think you, you articulated perfectly, uh, they already had the guy. It's nice to have him longer, uh, but how do you think this does impact the immediate future in terms of whether it's Robbie Ray or Marcus Simeon or anybody else for that matter trying to shore up what next season looks like? And does this number set a bar for for uh, for Ray, for, for others out on the free agent market? I mean, what's the impact of this signing on, on not just Toronto but perhaps on everybody else? Yeah, I, cer- I certainly, if you're Robbie Ray, you're looking at this and saying, all right, uh, well, I'm, I might be the Cy Young Award winner uh, tomorrow night. Uh, I've got a pretty good shot at it, and, you know, I've been pretty durable throughout my career, too, uh, where, where, you know, the, I'm probably in and around this area, you know. Uh, you know, obviously the market is going to dictate that because, you know, he can, talk to, he can talk to all 30 teams now, not just one. But... I don't think that the Blue Jays kind of stop here, right? You know, the, the they still have money to work with next year. I don't know how this contract is structured yet. I'm going to guess that the salary next year is probably around the $11 million uh, number that he was projected to make through his final year of arbitration uh, and that the, the term moves beyond that. Uh, so you know the the Blue Jays still have would still have the same amount of money to work with next year, and I don't think they're you know they're going to stop at this. You know the, the Blue Jays are looking at the top end of the market. You know they're potentially looking at instead of adding say maybe one or two bigger name ads, maybe going uh, spreading it around and having multiple sort of middle 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 to upper middle tier uh, kind of players. You know, there are a number of different approaches that they can take, and they have to be prepared for all their eventualities. But this is this is more sort of a, a bigger picture uh, setup, which you know, again, you know, gives them this this rock, this stability piece that you know other players who you know might be looking at you know what is this going to be long term, uh, because you know this hasn't been something that the Blue Jays typically do. You know, they can now look at this and say, okay, well, Barrios is in place, Springer's in place uh, for a few more years. You know, you got Vladdy and Bo there for a while. Like, this is this is going to be together for a period of time. And I think that probably helps them in their pitches. So, Shai, on, on that note, um, you know, with some money to spend, or or how much? I guess the next question is, how much are you willing to spend? Uh, you know, to keep a couple of big free agents that are yours that have played well that. Other people will obviously make a run at and guys that, you know, probably deserve to be paid. Um, uh, you know, we know what best case scenario is. We know what worst case scenario is. What in your mind is most likely case scenario? It's really, it's really interesting. I mean, uh, you know, there, there's, there's a sense that basically all the business is going to stop in, in a couple of weeks. Right. And that maybe not a lot more happens, you know, uh, obviously the Rodriguez deal yesterday with the Tigers uh, was, was quite notable, but I, I'm not sure how much happens and how much develops between now and when we have the expected lockout on December the 2nd. But, you know, I, I think the, the Blue Jays, what are the odds? I think they're going to, they're in a very competitive shortstop market you know there are a lot of teams who are going to be after them. You know Detroit is is not going to stop with Rodriguez. I think they're going to make a pitch for for Simeon. You know Simeon's going to be in play for a few of the West Coast teams. There are other shortstops out there. You know everybody wants starting pitching, and Robbie Ray is going to be on everybody's list. Uh, these are going to be competitive markets, and you know the Blue Jays 
the sense that I've got is that, yeah, they, they absolutely want those guys back. You know, I, I think they'll, they'll also, they also have a plan and that, you know, the Blue Jays can't just bring back the group they had last year and say, let's do this again uh, because they didn't get there. Right. So they've got to find ways to be different and to make some improvements. So, you know, is that, you know, maybe spreading the wealth around and plugging multiple holes with better players? Is it, uh, you know, just coming back with somebody different for a different look? Can you find some other value plays? You know, I think all those things are on the table for the Blue Jays right now. Uh, and, you know, this market, maybe it's developing faster than, you know, some, some have predicted, but we could also potentially be at a standstill. And there's just sort of a, a lot of posturing right in between now and the, and the lockout. And, you know, we won't, won't really have a sense until, you know, the action resumes whenever there's a CBA. Hey, Shai, let me uh, let me make you into the uh, into the gambling expert, or you're the uh, you know you're, you're going to set the you're going to set the number for us, or be our be our guy to set the projections and whatnot. Um, both are back, neither are back. One of the two is back. What do you think ultimately happens with the Jays? Um, I'm going to say that the the likeliest is that one of the two is back, uh, or, or sorry, likelier is one, one of the two is back. Okay. Um, I, I, I find it hard to, to think they're going to get both guys back, but, you know, you never know. Uh, and I also don't want anybody making bets based on anything I say because <laughs> 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 I don't, I, I don't want to cost anybody money here. Uh, but, look, I, I think there's a scenario where neither are back, too. And, it, it wouldn't, and that doesn't necessarily have to be a disaster for them uh, because of how many different pieces are uh, in free agency. You know, I think, the, the, to me, the shortstop market is fascinating. Because you've got Semyon and and Corey Seager, uh, two of the top shortstops out there, who are with uh, who is Scott Boris, who because of who uh, the, the the wide list of agents, uh, you know, has significant control of the market uh, this off season. So you know, I think you know it's hard. It's really hard to handicap where things go because of that. Typically, what Scott Boris does, or at least what he did the last time he was, you know, the two off seasons ago when he was similarly in control of the market with so many top guys was that, you know, he kind of figures out where everybody's going to go and then, you know, tries to find the best spots where he can place his different guys and then sort of rattles them off one after the other. Um, you know, that scenario could very well happen this off season. Um, you know, again, with uh, in and around the expected CBA um, interruption that we're going to get, but, you know, I don't think the Blue Jays are going into this thinking we have to get both guys back. And, you know, I think because they've got other options and other things that they can do with the money. Uh, and because of that, I, you know, I, I don't think it's likely that both guys are back. Uh, you know, and I think at that point, it's sort of a coin flip between one or neither. Speaking with Shai Davidi, Shai, a couple of things that you mentioned there, I, I, I want to I dig into two different things. Um, one being, you mentioned Boris trying to get his agents, his his players, excuse me, to the right spot. Now, are we, I assume we're not just talking the right spot in terms of whoever pays the most. It also has to be the right fit, what makes sense for the player, and, and combining fit, team, style, future with, let's hopefully back up the truck and get as much money as possible. To that point, do we still think about players and pitchers specifically – but any player shying away from the AL East because of how competitive it is, how difficult it is, or is it still that, well, hey, 
Boston's a hell of a team in, a, in an organization, as is New York, and the Jays have shown a lot recently. And clearly Tampa, they've got no fans to play in front of, but they draft well and they cultivate well, and they've been one of the great teams. So how do you, how is how is Scott Boris and, and other agents and players themselves, how are they viewing the East now versus whether 5, 10, 20 years ago, or is it the same? Okay, well, first let's start with, when it comes to Boris clients. It's uh, usually, usually top dollar, right? There, there, right, there are no discounts right. with, with Boris clients. Uh, so you just should point that out. Uh, look, I also think there's a difference in terms of the way position players view the American League East and the way pitchers view the American League East, right? If you're a position player, this is a great division to hit in. Right, you've got great hitting parks. Um, you've got really good lineups. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, you look at what Sem- how, what Semyon parachuted into last year, and Springer parachuted into, uh, and those guys just put up video game numbers, uh, and that has a chance to to happen over an extended period in Toronto. Uh, you know, guys want to hit in this division. Now, do they want to pitch in this division? Traditionally, no. And that hasn't just been something for the Blue Jays that they've had to deal with. The other clubs have had to deal with that as well. Uh, so ultimately, you know, it's going to come down to, you know, are you going to pay the guy the most? That You know, that's usually the differentiator. Um, and then do you have a chance to win? Uh, and certainly the Blue Jays have a chance to win. Uh, it's obviously a very competitive division. But... You know, guys understand that you come into the American League East, you know, you're playing the big boy division, right? You know, this isn't the, the junior varsity of the National League Central. Um, this is, you're, you're facing the best of the best. You're facing the best teams, the deepest division. Um, and I know the NL West maybe will, will say, uh, try to say otherwise, but, you know, I think you just look at the quality of the teams one through four, and we'll exclude Baltimore because, you know, they're an abomination on the game. But, the you know the, those four teams you know they'd be they'd be in the hunt or one of the top clubs in any of the other divisions in, in baseball. So, Shai, in saying all that, and I, I mean, I agree with you. I think most of the audience would as well. It's it's difficult to pitch in the American League East, but here you just locked up Barrios. Uh, you might end up having and probably should have Robbie Ray winning the Cy Young. So clearly you can succeed and you can have success in this division. It's been proven many times on a lot of different teams, not just on Toronto. So I'll go back then. And again, I'm not, I'm not losing any money on you, Shai. Don't worry. Plus, I'm only betting five <laughs> bucks anyway. So, you know, you're not going to make me poor. Of the two, is there one you lean more towards either A, being the better one to sign or or, or the more likely one to sign if that's not the same answer. You know what I'm saying? Like, do they have a better shot of signing Robbie Ray, or is he the one that they should be gearing towards anyway, or is it the flip? And, and, and if, you know, if Marcus Simeon isn't back, then who feels that way? There's a like, kind of, I know I just threw you seven questions actually in one, but there's so many <laughs> trickle-downs to what could go down. Oh, 100%. And, and that's what's so, so fascinating about this. Look, I, I think that if you were trying to pick between one or, one or the other, you know, you just look at the impact that Marcus Simeon had on all his teammates uh, and how important he was to that clubhouse, you know, what his toughness, his preparation, his determination uh, meant to that group and, and how it was reflected in the way the younger players started carrying themselves. You know, it's hard to, to kind of look at that and say, you know, man, if I had to pick one or the other, how do you, how do you say no to that, right? Um you know, but I, I do think that all things being equal, he would probably want to end up on the West Coast closer to his family. 
um, which perhaps makes it a bit more likely that Robbie Ray of the two returns. Uh, but look, I mean, this is all sort of coin flip stuff right now. And, you know, uh, it, it just it takes one team to come in and say, hey, we have to get this guy and, and the story and, you know, all the, all the sort of predictions and all the things that you think kind of go out the window. So, you know, I think from the Blue Jays' perspective, you know, I think one thing that's kind of important to remember the Blue Jays kind of to look at how their offseason played out last year, right, where, you know, they were linked to everybody. Everybody started rolling their eyes. But what they basically did is they just kept on playing on their plans. And, you know, what the infielder that the Blue Jays wanted last year was D.J. LeMahieu, and he ended up going back to the Yankees. But, you know, throughout that time, they stayed engaged with Marcus Simeon as well. And, you know, once LeMahieu was off the market and, you know, Simeon decided that that, that was his best opportunity – and, you know, that ended up working out great for them. So, you know, I think, you know, because of that, you know, the Blue Jays will go into this saying, okay, these are our preferred guys. We'd love to bring them back. But, you know, we can go other directions too. And this is, you know, a, a good market on both fronts. Uh, you know, they can go in other directions and, and it can work out just as well. Uh, last one I've got for you, Shai. Uh, sorry for keeping here. I know I, I, it, we, we want to. There's so much we could dig into. We could probably do the entire first hour on this. Uh, as we're talking here, Noah Syndergaard signs with the Angels on a one year deal for $21 million. Um, but the question I had in, in listening to you chat about uh, the possibility of, of obviously Marcus Simeon still sticking around and coming back to the Jays, if he were ultimately to move on, is there a scenario, Shy, that you could see where, uh, and, I, and I know I'm kind of playing a hypothetical here, but. If Toronto were to go out and find somebody or, or have a shot at bringing in a shortstop, is there any chance that Bo Bichette uh, moves on to a different position and they fill, the, the, you know, they fill in at short as opposed to going out and seeking an infielder, specifically a second baseman? No. I mean, that is, that is completely off the table. And, you know, the Jays are going into their conversations with representatives of infielders saying, hey, Bo Bichette is our shortstop. You know, are there is there is there any other spot on our team that might interest you? Do you, you know the, do you see an opportunity for yourself elsewhere on our club? So you know this Bo Bichette has earned that. Um, it should it should not be a question at this point. You know he he's he's earned it with his play. He's really scratching the surface, and you know I think that one thing that kind of gets lost a little bit in the discussion around around Bichette is that. You know, what he's doing at his age, not necessarily just offensively, but defensively, you know, to be an everyday shortstop at 23, you know, with, uh, you know, not even, you know, with 234 games in the major leagues, um, you know, that's a really hard position to establish yourself in. And he's getting there. And he's showing signs that he's not only going to be average, but he's going to be above average. And he's going to be a really good defender there. So, you know, the Blue Jays have to provide him that runway to become all that he's going to be. Um, you know, he certainly worked at it. He's committed to it. You know, just he was there every day with Marcus Simeon taking the early, uh, the early banning, uh, sorry, the early ground balls and getting all that work done. You know, I think for all those reasons, that's going to be uh, why the, the Blue Jays can't do that or, or the Blue Jays are committed to him. Uh, and wouldn't sort of bring someone else in and say, hey, you can play shortstop. We'll move Bo for you. Shai, appreciate the time as always. Thanks for breaking it all down with us. Thanks, Shai. No Pleasure as always, guys. Be well.
There is Shai Davidi, uh, columnist for Sportsnet. And, of course, you uh, can read him at sportsnet.ca, see him on the TV and hear him on the radio and everything else. He's all over the place and will be during the uh, Major League Baseball and Toronto Blue Jays offseason as the, the Jays make the announcement with, again, Jose Barrios re-signing or signing the extension, I should say. He already had a deal that would have kept him in place last year, but signing the extension was seven years, $131 million. And, Jonesy, it's always good when you can keep one of your own and hopefully yeah. this does set a precedent because the Jays, right, wrong, or otherwise, are going to be in the news the next few days, whether it's Robbie Ray hopefully winning the Cy Young. Uh, it seems like Otani's got the MVP locked up, even though I would still be leaning towards Vladdy, and I'm not even trying to say that from a homer perspective. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to rip the page uh, out of your book that talks about winning ultimately mattering, and maybe we could split hairs and say, well, hey, at the end of the day, the Jays didn't win either, didn't win enough. They weren't in the postseason either, but as great as Otani was, if you know, you're the most valuable player and, and, you're, and your team you're, has a record the way it does, eh, I, you know, what he did was, was clearly outstanding, pitching and playing every day and putting up the numbers he did, but if it ultimately isn't you know, working out into wins and success for your team, uh, you know, that's where I start looking at the the true value of the MVP overall. Yeah, no, Eric, and, and you know, baseball, uh, you know, being a little bit older than you, baseball set the precedent. I remember the one year Andre Dawson won it after he left Montreal with the Cubs. Cubs were yep. dead last, like dead last. And the Hawk was terrific, and he got the MVP. So it also tells you that baseball is a little bit more, you know, as much as it's team, it's, it's also, you know, matchups and, individuality matters and and the way the, the the game is is voted on by by the writers so yeah i'm with you winning matters winning matters a guy that's doing that on a winning team how many how many sacrifices did vladi make for uh the team or and give it giving up individual glory so his team could have a better chance at winning like you you don't know that and i'm i i always said that and you know you just echoed it Hey man, if you're the MVP, why is your team in last place? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I mean, I, yeah, there aren't great guys around you, but like, are you just putting like those numbers could be put up anywhere? Well, you're a great player, but the name of the game is winning. You know, it's it's interesting as well, and and this is something we've talked about, uh, you know, over the years. I think you could probably apply this, Jonesy, to all sports, but but you know, maybe maybe. It doesn't apply as much to baseball because of the length of the season with 162 games. But why is it determined that we have to declare or vote for or announce an MVP at the end of the regular season? Why isn't it into the postseason? Like, why can't why can't it be announced when a team has won a championship? When when the or you know when the when the championship has been won, and it might turn out that, and I'm just throwing a, a random name out here. It might it might end up that you know Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was bounced in the first round, but you know what? He was still so good in the first round, plus the 162, that he was heads and tails better than uh, uh, you know um, whomever ends up going on and, and winning the world series. He was, he was, he was that much better or, or Robbie Ray, even though he's bounced in the first round was still that much better than pitcher X that made it through to the, to the world series. Clayton Kershaw had an average regular season, but was lights out in the playoffs. And when you factor regular season plus postseason, that's the Cy Young award winner in the national league. You know, like why, why does it always have to just be regular season? And I would say the same thing in hockey. I mean, it's pretty rare 
for the Conn Smythe winner. In fact, I don't know if it's happened. Maybe it's only happened once in history. I'd have to look that up. But in hockey, it's generally speaking, the team that wins the Stanley Cup is going to have the Conn Smythe winner on that team. But if you were to actually combine postseason and regular season, could you not come up with an MVP for the entire thing? You're not going to hand the MVP just to a guy that got hot for six weeks. You have to look at the, the total package and the, and the complete resume for the entire season. But at the same time, if a guy that torches the regular season completely flames out and, and isn't there for his team come playoffs, that to me should then factor in because you're not the MVP if you're not showing up and stepping up when it matters most. I agree, E. And, and I mean, let's look at the sport that we cover. How many times do people look at basketball and say, well, I mean, look at our own Steve Nash, two MVPs, but he's still on top of the list of guys that, you know, I think most playoff games without getting to the finals, right? Mm -hmm. Or people, you know, killing Giannis last year. They're a Kevin Durant, uh, you know, half a shoe away from being out and Budenholzer losing his job and instead they win that game in overtime. But people are like, well, hold on a second. Giannis has two MVPs and when Brooklyn's handing it to him, they're like, well, those MVPs are hollow. So I think I, I, I kind of like the distinction of separating, okay, you had a good regular season, here's your award. But the playoffs, and I, I think that playoff um, uh, result impacts your legacy, your, your, you know, the perspective on you as a player the next year. Like, okay, Otani wins it this year. Great, great. Like, do we get bored of it? Like, what if he does it next year and the Angels stink again? Like, does he deserve it again? In my eyes, no. So I can, I'll give him one, but no, man, you got to win. This thing is about winning. Nobody, nobody remembers, you know, the, the 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 second round of the playoffs or who lost in the. You know, I, I can ask you this, or I could I could ask Shy this, a guy that is totally immersed in the game. Uh, so, who lost uh, in the, who won the wild card game in the National League two years ago? Like, you'd have to go and, like, nobody cares. Nobody remembers. But I can tell you who won the whole thing. So, to me, it's a it's a different story. I don't mind the separation, but I would have no problem. They said, we're waiting until it's all said and done before we pick the best player. Folks, if you like the show, make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcasts, and please rate and review the show as well. 